This morning that you're, I'd like you to imagine this morning that you're, well, for some of you, this might be difficult, that you're in high school. All right, just kind of think way back there, some of you people. And for some of you, you're, you don't have to imagine it, you are in high school. But I want you to imagine that you're in high school and you're on a ball team, maybe a soccer team. And you're sitting there on a bench and uh, the game's about to start and people are starting to put their hands in the middle. And you look down at uh, who should be starting in your position. You're a starter. But you look down at who should be starting in your position. And that person is, is there but not dressed out, wearing, you know, uh, Long pants, wearing, uh, you know, warm-up pants, and standing there with crutches under his arms, under her arms. And yet, a buoyant spirit, giving high fives and fist bumps, encouraging the team. Imagine then, if, if, you, can't, if you can't wrap your mind around that one, uh, imagine that you've walked into a, a hospital room and you've, you're knocking on the door and you, you kind of feel a little nervous about what you're going to see and uh, how you're going to be received. And you open the door and in that dim light, there she is. She's sitting in the bed and very groggy, but that warm smile comes over her face and, and you, uh, you feel so em- embraced in, by that moment. And you came to encourage, but you left you left so encouraged yourself. Or maybe uh, imagine that you've gone with Marian Medical Mission and you've traveled over to Tanzania and you, you've gone to bring hope and you've gone to, to help uh, bring a well into the midst of, of these people who have to walk five miles just to fill up a bucket of water that, uh, that you would use in your backyard for their fresh water. And you've come to bring hope, but uh, in the moment that that well is turned on and, and, and begins to spray over all the, the children around in that village, you see dancing and joy that you've never experienced. And perhaps you bring back more hope than you have ever experienced yourself, thinking that you were there to bring it. You received it. Now, sometimes we look at these things, these scenes, we see people in difficult situations, and we sort of explain away why they're so, uh, they're so happy or uh, that they bounce or that they are able to deal with life's detours with, uh, with such a sense of purpose. Sometimes we explain it away. We say we look at the kid who's, uh, who's, who's broken his ankle and can't uh, participate in the game. We say, well, he's just trying to make the most of it and trying to stay relevant to his team, you know, or her team. Or you, you, you think about that hospital scene and you think, well, you know, she's, she doesn't have m- much time left on this earth. And so she's just trying to put the best possible face on it for, for visitors. Or, or maybe you, you think about that... Um, that scene in, in Tanzania, and you think, well, that's just a cultural thing. That's just the way these people are. They, they, don't, they don't have Netflix, so you know, they, they, just, they spend a lot of time singing and dancing as it is. And we, we tend to explain it away, but then, then you realize, you see some of these stories, you play the, the movie forward, if you will, and you see the next year, that, that young man, that young girl, is the captain, a motivator of his team, of her team, all grown out of that difficult season last year. Or you see that the woman recovers and you realize this is somebody 
who is leading even when she's down. Or you recognize that the people who are dealing with, uh, uh, in, you know, not having clean water, access to clean water conveniently, actually have something that you don't have. A joy that is not circumstantial. Why do some people bounce so well? Why do some people embrace life's detours with such a sense of purpose? Even as Ruth did. Ruth, the story of a woman who was married to Naomi's son and her sons die. Ruth, the daughter-in-law who would not give up on her mother-in-law. Ruth, the one who is loyal, but Ruth who understood that when she sees life in terms of a bigger story, she begins to rise above her circumstances. Let's take a look at Ruth, chapter 1, starting with verse 15. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where I go, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Let's pray together. Holy God, would you bless us now to receive your word, not just to understand it, and not only to believe it, but to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in college, my grandmothers moved in with my parents. They were in their 90s. And uh, one of them lived to 96, and for the five years that she lived with my parents, she told the same stories over and over again, and they were from a period of her life that ranged back into her 30s. So 60 years earlier, she was telling stories that made sense of her life. And whenever I bring somebody new into the house... She would start, and I knew which story she would tell. She'd tell the same story, and then she'd go on to the next one, the next one. Now, I got to where I could tell some of these stories myself. I knew what was coming next. I knew what story she was going to tell next. Stories make sense of life. You, you, you ever had this experience where you start to tell a story, 
and you realize, you know, there's not a really good ending to this. <laughs> you know, you, you, and you start to feel embarrassed even before you get embarrassed because you know there's no punchline, right? And you think, oh gosh. You know? And so maybe you make something up because you know that stories are supposed to make sense. Or maybe you see a couple that are, that one of them starts to tell the story about what happened and she interrupts or he interrupts and, and says, no, 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 it didn't happen that way. This is what happened, you know? And they start arguing and then they, they start telling the story together. Stories make sense of our lives. We are natural born storytellers because the things that happen to us, we frame up as stories and it, it, it begins to make sense of life even when my life does not make sense. So how, what do we learn from Ruth in terms of her understanding of the big story now, Ruth shows us how framing your life in a bigger story can indeed make sense of your life when life doesn't make sense. See, when, when you and I begin to see our lives in terms of the bigger narrative that God is telling, creation and fall and redemption and consummation, you see it over and over again through the scriptures, creation and fall and redemption and consummation. Over and again, throughout the whole of scriptures and within each book, you see creation, fall, redemption, consummation. When we see our lives framed up by that bigger story, that story begins to make life make sense even when life doesn't make sense. Why is that? Because, because when we open ourselves up to the bigger narrative, we open ourselves up to people and stories and lives beyond ourselves. Now, now follow that. That's, that's really the first thing you see from, from Ruth. She is open to a bigger story, and so she is open to people coming into her life. And it's through the people around her that life begins to make sense again. She, she sees that there are other roles that she can play. You see, when we open ourselves to the bigger story, we open ourselves to other people around us that begins to make sense of life, even when life doesn't make sense. Let me, let me, let me help you picture this a little bit more clearly or concretely, what I'm talking about. When we open ourselves to a bigger story and, and opening ourselves to other lives around us, and then, therefore, other roles that we may play. I remember some years ago, there was a hurricane that came through uh, Florida, and it hit Orlando hard, and a good friend of mine was there, and, and they met their neighbors for the first time because of this hurricane. They had been living there for years, and, and everybody had a tarp on their roofs, and, and, uh, and everybody was coming out and, and checking. The, the power was down, and um, you know she had coffee, and he had a camp stove, and they got together, and they had coffee, you know, because, you know, they didn't have the camp stove, and they didn't have any coffee, but together they had, they, they were able to provide coffee for the neighborhood, and people came out into their front yards, and they began to learn each other's names and talk to each other and find out what's going on, and their names, their dogs and cats, and, and for the first time, these friends of mine met their neighbors because of seeing that they weren't just going to be trapped within their four walls feeling sorry for themselves that they didn't have a camp stove, but they had coffee, right? Through that crisis, they, they began to get, 
become more open to other people. What, what, what are other people experiencing? What's going on in the whole neighborhood? That's what's happening with Ruth. Ruth lost her husband, and her husband's mother, Naomi, tells her, I can't have any more children. Don't wait around with me. Go on back to Moab. Go on back to your people, to your gods. See, Ruth was not a part of the Hebrew people. She was brought in. She, was, she married into. She was grafted into the life of Israel during the period of the judges as they were settling the land. And so Ruth in losing her husband, she didn't close herself off and say, oh, woe is me. Now, that's, that's what Naomi does. She says, call me Mara, call me bitter. You know, just call me by what I feel that I am. I'm bitter, just call me bitter. But what does Ruth say? Ruth says, entreat me not to leave you, as the, old, the King James says, entreat me not to leave you. She sees and she chooses a different role. Even though she cannot be wife to her mother-in-law's son, she can be a daughter-in-law. You know, when you lose somebody, this is great advice that uh, I've heard uh, years and years ago, and I've, I've given it again and again, that when you lose somebody close to you, whether they move away or whether, whether you are in a season of grief, it's really important that you, you look around your world, you look around your sphere and you choose a relationship and become more intentional about that relationship. This is exactly what Ruth does. She's in grief, and yet she, she sees a bigger story. She's part, she says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. What a declaration. Where you die, I will die. She's committing her, the whole trajectory of her life and the story of her life to be framed up by the bigger picture of what God is doing in the life of Israel. And as a result, she's more open to the people around her, even if that one of those people is no longer her husband. She's able to embrace a different role. Think back to the, the kid on the bench who's, you know, crutching it around and, and can't be a part of the, the soccer uh, season that year. Yeah, I happen to know that that kid went on to become a great coach because of the experience that he had not playing that season. You see, when we, when we see our lives as part of a bigger story and, and, and that kid or, or Ruth, wh whoever you're talking about, can, can embrace the people around her or him and, and can encourage, it comes because of the strength of seeing the bigger story, seeing yourself as part of the bigger story. That's the first thing we learn about Ruth, the first way that Ruth gains a sense of confidence, even when the chips are down. She gains a sense of confidence in the bigger story because opening herself up to the bigger story opens herself up to the stories and lives of people around her. Let me pause here and say this. I have a real serious concern about uh, you know, cultural... Every now and then I provide some some free cultural commentary, right? And, and I have this concern, what I'm seeing happen in this day and age is that people are focused on their smaller narratives. And it's, it's what's dividing us. 
You say, well, no, what's dividing us is this event or that thing or those, that religion or those people or the, what, whatever you want to put a label on. But what, what's, what's really happening, if you peel back all the layers, people are choosing to group up or tribe up and they are focused not on e pluribus unum, right? That's one of the, that, that's, that, that, that's one of the, the phrases, the Latin phrases that, that helps make sense of out of many one, right, of our United States. You see, the United States is a great experiment, and it's, it's a great illustration for us this morning about what happens when we abandon a bigger story and focus on a smaller narrative. We feel like victims. We feel sorry for ourselves. We define ourselves by that smaller story, and we're not open to other people and different kinds of people. And instead, we just we try to leverage power, and we try to push off against other people and their story, and we, we try to box them in and define them because of, of the, the color of their skin or, or their ethnicity or the fact that they're this gender or whatever it is, we begin to carve people up into these smaller narratives. And what happens is you, you, then, you, you then resign yourself to seeing reality as just a battle of power between groups. And if we don't embrace the bigger story again and if we don't live and understand how powerful it is for us to relinquish some of the hurt that we have from our own personal stories and demonstrate to the world that being part of a bigger story is what brings people together, then we're going to continue to fragment. See, that's something very powerful that we learn from seeing Ruth frame her life in a bigger narrative. Your God shall be my God. And she opens herself up to the people around her. And as a result, her life begins to make sense through other roles that she can play. Second is this. When, when we embrace a bigger narrative, we don't just embrace people who can help us. We don't just open ourselves up to the people around us who can help us on a practical level. We begin to see the stories and lives of people around us for their own sake. We begin to value the people around us just because they're made in the image and nature of God. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that being open to that bigger narrative and that bigger story, it opens us up to the lives of other people and we value them for the people they are, not just what they can do for us. Not just because that person can help us, not friendship of utility or relationships of utility, but to, to know and to love and to be known and to be loved for the sake and the value of the person in front of us alone as an end in and of him or herself. And when you begin to look at people that way, not just in terms of what they can do for you, Naomi says, I can't, I can't give you any other sons, right? She's so bitter, she says it in the most concrete way. I'm not gonna, what are you gonna wait around until I have another son and then you can marry him? I mean, she's so angry, but Naomi, she says, but, but, but Ruth, she looks at Naomi and she says, I love you because you're my people. You're my people. to see the weight and the worth of human life in front of you, you begin to experience the weight and worth of your own life. And I see so many people who 
have a difficult moment or a bad day and so quickly they fall to the bottom of that mountain and they think, what am I worth? They woke up that morning as a son or daughter of the living God, but they live as an orphan. Ruth, she says, I'm not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. Naomi, you're my mom. You're my people. You see, I see this in such a powerful way in the lives of people who have, who have children who are born uh, different. Let's just say something like Down syndrome. Down's children, do, does, they do something to a family that nothing else can do. In a powerful way, it binds them together to value human life and each other in a way that we often just miss. We pass by. We're so, we, we kind of skip like a stone over the surface of our relationships. Even the people that are supposed to be so important to us around us, Down's children, they stop you. And you have to look at that child, not because of what he or she can do, but just because of who he is, who she is. A child made, born into a broken world, like all of us, but made in the image and nature of God. A precious gift from God. When a family embraces a child like that, they begin to embrace each other and they begin to love them, the, the, the part of themselves that God loves in a way that, that few of us ever achieve. There, there are several families in, at Signal Mountain Press where I lived for many, many years. And, and um, I just, I, I have, because of that, this insight that I'm sharing with you this morning about, about families with Down's kids, I've, I've just always had this affection for Down's kids, and they know I love them. And so they, they find me. And I, I just got a, a message indirectly from one of these, these, these children wanted, wanting to tell me hello. She, she and her parents are grieving today because just two days ago marked the anniversary of her older brother's death. And, and so here is this family left with one child. And this child has Down syndrome. But they have so embraced this child that they have a different and unique kind of family dynamic and love for each other. This is the very insight that Ruth brings to us by her love for Naomi. Naomi can't do anything for her. Naomi would become a burden to Ruth, and Ruth takes that on. And I believe that Boaz, who factors into the story in the, in the chapters remaining, Boaz, as they, as they go to, to Bethlehem and, and the story begins to circulate that here's this woman who really was a Moabite, she should have gone back to, to her town and found a new husband and, and had a, a great life somewhere else. She should have, she was released from, from obligation to her her, her, her dead husband's family. She was released from that, but she was committed. When this story began to circulate, I believe that Boaz saw the unique quality of her love, and he embraced Ruth as a result. You see, 
when you and I open ourselves up to a bigger story, we open ourselves up to people, not just because of what they can do for us, not because of the practical things that they can do for us. Even as Naomi says to Ruth, I can't do anything for you. But we embrace people for the worth that they are in and of themselves. And you cannot embrace other people's value and see other people's worth without beginning to sense your own on the rise. You see, that gave Ruth confidence. The bigger story and the people around her began to grow her confidence even when the chips were down. And finally this, we gain greater insight about how the big story builds our own confidence in our stories, our lives. When we see that the final chapter of your story has already been written, well, then it makes sense of the chapter that you happen to be in. This is a big deal. The fact that God has a dynamic will, right, and that you have the freedom to live your life and to make choices, that's true. And yet, the dynamic nature of a sovereign God who is able to give us latitude, but at the same time, fashioned, fashion what, you know, the technical, the Greek word for this is our telos, or the end, the, 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 the point that we're on the horizon where we're going. You know, he has fashioned for humanity, his chief ends. That chapter has been written. And you begin to see glimpses of how true this is because, because even in this almost inconsequential little story of this woman and, and this family, you begin to see, even in the way that Boaz, who enters into this story, Boaz becomes, becomes uh, her husband, Ruth's husband, he is what is called a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer. Now, just hang in there. Let me explain what this is. It, the word is goel, and, and the word represents uh, someone who is related to you that when, when you have a debt or when there's a problem, that person can intervene. There's somebody in your life who will because they value you, they will step in there and foot the bill or deal with the situation. This, the same word is also used as, as um, uh, a word that represents uh, blood, that if, if there's blood for blood, this person can step in and make the sacrifice. And, and I hope that by now you're beginning to see a picture of the real hero of the series, even as I'm talking about Boaz, do you see the great mystery of some of these Old Testament stories? I mean, I hope that throughout this summer, what's been emerging is a strange, mysterious storyline that points to Jesus again and again and again. The hero of Ruth's story is not just Boaz. Boaz is like a type of the Messiah to come. And even in the way that Israel um, structured itself to allow this kind of person to step in, or even the way that they have this category framed up in their mind that there is such a thing as a kinsman redeemer, right? 
Boaz was related to Naomi. And as a result of Ruth continuing to identify with the nation of Israel, continue to identify with your God will be my God, she is, is not an orphan, but an adopted child of God. And as a result, Boaz steps in as her kinsman redeemer. She has no relation to him. You see, Ruth doesn't see herself as an orphan. She recognizes that she's part of a bigger family, of a bigger story. Let me leave you with this final image that I think may bring some of the pieces together for you. When there are times in your life where you think you're in a chapter that doesn't make sense and you just think, you know what, that, that final chapter is too far out there for me to even connect to or relate to. How does that help uh, how does that help me in the hospital room or on the bench when I've broken my ankle? Or how, how does that help me? Well, a guy named Henry Nowen, who's one of my favorite authors, he, he's written a number of books that, that begin to examine what it, life is really about, especially in the times when we're deeply disappointed. In, another, in one of his books, he writes about the first time he saw a trapeze artist in the circus. He was thrilled to watch these artists as they, they, would, they would move throughout the air. They soared and, in, into to, to, to a dangerous situation. He wanted to, to grow up and be a trapeze artist when he was younger. Now and observed that each, at each performance, the flyers let go of the bar and trusted that their flight will end up in their hands, sliding into the secure grip of someone else. A friend of mine who lost his wife a couple of years ago uh, wrote this about this, this image, this scene. He says, they knew that only the release of the secure bar would allow them to move on with arcing grace to the next one, to the next bar. Before they could be caught, they must let go. They must brave the emptiness of space. Maybe that's where you are. You're, you're in a chapter where you don't, maybe the chapter's ending and, and you're, you're having to brave the emptiness of space. What I would offer you this morning is that, that every day you wake up, you and I need to remind ourselves, we're not orphans. We're part of a bigger story. We're part of a bigger family. And we need to, to live in that place, to live into the bigger story to let it so saturate our bones that, that when we come to the end of a chapter, we know another chapter will pick up, that God is in the redemption business. He has been before all time, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Holy God, how we thank you that you're at work powerfully, even through our disappointments and discouraging times. And we pray, Lord, that that as, as part of seeing what's, what's really happening in the scriptures is really happening in our lives as well. God, would you give us the courage and strength to let go of the bar, to brave the emptiness of space, that we may trust you would catch us on the other side. In Jesus' name.